0: Welcome to the Triumphal Feast podcast, a ministry of Elder Bryce Lowrance speaking to you from the pulpit of Mount Perrin Primitive Baptist Church in Social Circle, Georgia.
1: The Philistines drew near to the battle against Israel, but the Lord thundered with a great thunder on that day upon the Philistines and discomfited them. And they were smitten before Israel. God roared. The lion of the tribe of Judah roared. And a great thunder, like these men had never heard, it shook the ground continually. He scared them. Then discomfited. I love that word. God confused them. And then God killed them.
0: Mount Perrin Primitive Baptist Church meets regularly two times a week. Our regular worship service is on Sunday at 10.30 a.m. Eastern, and our Wednesday evening Bible study is at 7 p.m. Eastern. If you would like to attend in person, we are located at 3749 Mount Perrin Church Road, Social Circle, Georgia, 30025. For more information about these services online or Mount Perrin Primitive Baptist Church, please visit our website at mppbc.com. Today we will hear the conclusion of the message,
1: Here I Raise My Ebenezer, starting in 1 Samuel chapter 7. Key, what happens next? Oh, weren't we lucky? Is that what happens? No, the Levites recognize that even though they had been disobedient, God was blessing them. And so they took the ark off of that cart. They made a fire out of the wood from that cart. They built an altar and they sacrificed those animals and thanksgiving to God. They recognized the grace of God. Oh, how often is it in our lives where calamity after calamity comes on us and God blesses us and we ignore it. Not realizing that if we keep ignoring him and keep ignoring him, we could end up with no presence of God in our lives and be even more miserable. Thankfully, these Levites recognized what was going on. But God didn't change the law. When God blesses, he doesn't change his character or his holiness or his righteousness. What do, what do I mean? The men of Bethhemus decided to look inside the ark. That was dumb. <laughs> They're dead. Because God does not change. Because God is blessing us, we need to not assume that we're not doing anything wrong. God blessed the men of Beth Shemesh to have the ark come back among them, but he didn't bless them to violate his word. The overarching lesson here is to, to honor and to follow God, not use him to our own benefit or advantage. Both Israel and The Philistines tried that. But you have the Levites, which have the responsibility to turn the people around. One of the largest responsibilities of a minister of the gospel is we have the job of pointing people and leading people in the right direction. I have often said a church is going to act like its pastor. And I believe that. And if the pastor is following the Lord, then there's a good chance the church is. If the pastor is not following the Lord, the sheep get scattered and it becomes a mess. But that's the rep- responsibility of the under shepherd. And so the Levites do the right thing. But she mess, mess up. <laughs> and let's look at the close of, of chapter six because I, I find this very interesting. And the men of uh, Bethshemesh said, who is able to stand before this holy Lord God and to whom shall he go uh, up from us? That's something they should have been saying all along. They took for granted the presence of God among them and not only that, God had instituted a system of religion for them so that they could be assured that God was with them. They took that for granted. They misused it. And they lost the meaning of it. By the way, when we forsake the assembling of ourselves together, that's one of the things that goes out very quickly. We lose the meaning of what what it is that we're doing here. You're not here to listen to me talk. You're here to glorify the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I like that I'm hearing amens on that one. Because that tells me I may mess up but you're still going to be able to glorify God and we can learn how to do this better together and here's the declaration that they make verse 21 and they sent messengers to the inhabitants of Kirjath Jearim, saying the Philistines have brought again the ark of the Lord come ye down and fetch it up for you they said come get this thing These men were the first ones to admit we cannot control God. That's probably the biggest error of the name it, claim it movement that started some 30 years ago. That I claim this portion for me like God has to do something because I said it. We've got biblical proof it doesn't work that way. God's not obligated to do anything for us other than what he obligates himself to do. Because remember, in that seven months, Israel didn't repent. But the mercy of God brought them to repentance. (laughs) Come get this thing. (laughs) I'm just imagining that scene. So we come to chapter seven. And the men of kirjath Jerim came and fetched up the ark of the Lord and brought it into the house of Abinadab in the hill and sanctified Eleazar, his son, to keep the ark of the Lord. They realized what a tremendous mistake had been made, that this ark was not a tool for them to use. This ark was a symbol of the presence of God. The presence of God Doesn't require the ark to be there. It is a symbol of it. Ichabod was correct because the glory departed, not because the ark left, but because the children of Israel had turned away from God. That's the reason James can say, Draw nigh unto God, and he'll draw nigh unto thee. Because it's not God that has gone away. It's that we have turned away from him and I'm sure you have found this in your life. You just turn around and it's not like you have to take that big long journey back. He's there. And it may be that you have to deal with the consequences of the sin in your life. David did that. David for the rest of his life dealt with the consequences of having a man killed and taking his wife. But David never said that the Lord wasn't with him through that. Let's pick it up in verse two now. And it came to pass while the ark abode in Kirjath-Jerim that the time was long for it was 20 years and all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. I almost skipped over this verse and I'm glad I didn't just now. They had spent a long time not listening to God. They realized by the grace of God they had made a mistake but they didn't immediately demand an answer from God which is a good thing because they didn't get it. They were lamenting for the Lord for 20 years. What does that mean? They cried out to God for 20 years before he instructed them again. We need to realize how precious the presence of God is in our lives. And Samuel spoke unto all the house of Israel, saying, If if ye do return unto the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the strange gods and Ashtaroth from among you, and prepare your hearts unto the Lord, and serve him only, and he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. They were repenting somewhat. Mainly they were sorry for what had happened. That's what it means. They're lamenting for the Lord. Samuel instructs them, here's how to fix this. What is it that God requires of you? Your whole heart. The end of the year for me is always a hard look when I look back because I know there weren't 365 days of wholehearted service to the Lord. I hope there's more now in my 53rd year than there was in my 40th year or any before that. I hope there's more. But when I look back, I need to realize that my whole heart was not in things. But I want you to notice, Samuel doesn't say look back and lament over your past sins. He says, realize what you've been doing wrong and give your whole heart to the Lord. That sounds like a New Year sermon, doesn't it? Why do you think I picked this? <laughs> it doesn't matter what we have done in the past. The grace of God covers those things. What matters is if we tend to want to dwell in the past and stay in those things, then we can expect the same losses that the Israelites did, 4,000 at a time, 30,000 at a time, having the presence of the Lord taken away from us where we're crying out, Ichabod. I don't want that in my life, I don't want that in your life. But folks, it is foolish to expect the continued blessings of God if we abide in sin and unbelief. I'm not talking about becoming a child of God. I'm not talking about uh, staying a child of God. I'm talking about living as a child of God. We understand that's from a natural point. If mom and dad ain't happy with us, it's pretty miserable in the house, isn't it? We must live according to God's terms. Romans chapter five says, therefore being justified by faith we have peace with God. When we walk by faith, we have peace with God. If we are sinning, we are not walking by faith and we're not living at peace with God at that time. The relationship's not gone, but that fellowship is certainly marred. We have that as a perfect example in this. Israel never stopped being God's nation during this. We'll never stop being children of God but we can get to the point where we think God has departed from us. So what happens? Samuel says, repent. And what did the people do? They repented. (laughs) Go through ceremonies and they pour out water on the ground as a sign of repentance. And then here is what they should have done those 20 years and seven months before. Think about that, 20 years and seven months. Verse eight, and the children of Israel said to Samuel, cease not to cry unto the Lord our God for us, that he will save us out of the hand of the Philistines. What do you think would have happened those 20 and a half years before if they'd started that way? There'd be 34,000 people still alive and then all of their children and their children, it have been a completely different nation. But the evidence, listen clear, clearly, the evidence of repentance in the life of the children of Israel here is that they go to the man of God and they seek only the will of God. Notice there was two parts to that. A lot of people say, well, I seek the will of God, but I'm not going back to church. God's design for how we are to worship him publicly is a public assembly called a church. And God's design for teaching the entire earth and the angels of heaven is the church. If we think we're gonna learn something outside the church and it be the true benefit of God, we're losing our minds. (laughs) Because the Bible says, this is where God said, I'm gonna teach you. You know, I've seen that in the New Testament. Angels, they gather They're learning. This is the place of learning. And so they go to Samuel. Did they even go to Eli before? No, they said, well, we know the ark worked before. Let's use it again. Now they're saying, we don't know what's going to work, but we know God is able. That's faith. That's faith. Verse 9, and Samuel took a suckling lamb and offered it for a burnt offering holy unto the Lord. And Samuel cried unto the Lord, God, uh, Lord for Israel, and the Lord heard him. Remember how this story started, that the Lord of God was precious because it was, he, he wasn't speaking to him. You know why God wasn't speaking to Israel? Because Israel wasn't talking to him. Plain and simple. Eli was in the position to do it. But Eli just told Samuel what to do when he was a young boy. Why wasn't Eli looking to the Lord before that? Why wasn't Eli the good judge that Samuel was? It's his choice of life. I, I, I like this opening of this next verse. Verse 10. And as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering not after, not a couple of days after, but while they are in the middle of a religious ceremony, not prepared for battle, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. Folks, when we're worshiping God, we don't need to worry about our enemy. So worship more, because that's gonna prepare you when you're not worshiping to face the enemy but if we're worshiping the Lord, God's gonna handle some enemies. Notice, this is awesome. This is awesome. The Philistines drew near to the battle against Israel, but the Lord thundered with a great thunder on that day upon the Philistines and discomfitted them. And they were smitten before Israel. God roared. The lion of the tribe of Judah Roared and a great thunder like these men had never heard. It shook the ground continually. He scared them. Then, discomfited, I love that word, God confused them. And then, God killed them. They were smitten. Not by Israel, but before Israel. Do you see that? Look at the grace of God. What did Israel deserve? They deserved to be wiped out, but God kept them safe those seven months. God kept them safe for those 20 years while they lamented. And then when they turned to God, God showed them, I'm with you. I'm not against you. And he kills their enemies. And the men of Israel went out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and smote them until they came under Bethkar. The wave that would take us, death, hell, the grave, God takes care of. The wave of attack of the enemy that we cannot handle, God handles by his grace and that gives us the cleanup job in our lives. See, what happened is if you want to go way back before, well, at the beginning of the times of the judges, go back even further into the time of the book of Joshua, what was Israel supposed to do? God had blessed them to come across a river into dry land. He'd heaped up the water so high that beyond 30 or 40 miles away they could see the water heaped up in the air. And they came across on dry ground and they defeated city after city after city by the grace of God. But they didn't do it all. They made deals with folks in the land and it was a thorn in their side from that point on. This is one of those things they're having to deal with. God delivers them again and he gave them a cleanup job. This time... They did it. They went and got him out of their presence. And so we come back to our verse. Then Samuel took a stone and set it between Mizpah and Shen and called the name of it Ebenezer, saying, hitherto hath the Lord helped us. I want you to see the word in there, hitherto. It doesn't say, just in this last battle, God helped us. Samuel says, hitherto. Even when we weren't listening to him, the Lord had helped us. Even before we were seeking the will of God in our lives, the Lord has helped us. Even when we're a young child and we think it's, A man's voice that's calling us out. God helps us even before we are born. And the blessing through Hannah, Samuel says, hitherto. God has not predestinated every event that's going to come to pass. That's a heresy. But folks, the providence of God is prevalent in your life if you just open your eyes and set up a few Ebenezers along the way Hitherto, up to this point, God has been with me. God has been with us through the good times and the bad. And I hope by thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home, the songwriter says after that. But notice even how the songwriter says, I hope by thy good pleasure. You know why we'll arrive at home and sit at Jesus' feet forevermore? Because it is the good pleasure of God and it glorifies His power and His will. So what we need to recognize is hitherto. So there's your Ebenezer. It's a stone of remembrance that God has been with you. It's a memorial to remind you. But I want you to notice I'm going to summarize the next two books of the Bible for you. God was with Samuel. Samuel had a circuit. And it wasn't in Judah. It wasn't going to be where the temple was going to be. It was up in Benjamin. In a poor area. It was up in an area that though... When you see the easternmost part of where Samuel would go, there was another Ebenezer set up, Gilgal. You remember that one? They came across Jordan. They took 12 stones out of the river and they set up a memorial in Gilgal. If you look on a map as to what Samuel did the rest of his life, He walked from Ebenezer to Ebenezer. And that's how he was able to remain faithful. He reminded himself in the course of his duties of being a judge over Israel, of being the prophet of God, he went from a remembrance of what God had done to another remembrance of what God had done to another remembrance of what God had done so that he could keep going forward. In this coming year, remember, Remember the charge given to Joshua. As I was with Moses, so I am with you. Remember what God did for Moses. Remember what God did for Joshua. Remember what God has done for those that you love in your life. Remember what God has done for you. And as you travel from memorial to memorial throughout this coming year, do what Samuel did, the will of God. You know what Samuel got to do? Just like when Samuel was a boy and he was blessed, Samuel got to bless another boy. One that had been dismissed by his brothers and his father. A little boy named David. Samuel anointed the true king of Israel. The apple of God's eye. The one that is after God's own heart. Samuel got to say this is what the Christ will be like. And so that's my encouragement to you is realize even if you're broken today, even if you're hurting today, even if the past year doesn't seem to have gone the way you wanted it to go, you're still here. Why? Because God's got something for you to do. Some folks want to say, "Well, that means you've got to go become president or you have to start some industry." No. What's God got for you to do? Glorify Him with every breath you take. Praise Him with every word you speak and be a blessing. God's people with every step you take. Raise your Ebenezer today and say, hither by thy help I'm come, and I hope by thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home. May the Lord bless you all, is my prayer.
0: We hope this edition of Triumphal Feast has been a blessing to you. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and visit our website at mppbc.com for further resources, including our devotional blog, Little Brother's Thoughts on the Bible. Until next time, may the Lord richly bless you all, is our prayer.